Oh, there he is. Ah. <laughs> Did you not remember that, Fred? No, I remembered it. That's why I'm scared. Oh. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Flail Forward. This is the the frazzled Friday episode where we're all just kind of getting along, doing yeah. stuff. We exist. We exist. I really. Oh, yeah, Fred's here, by the way. Like a lot. Yeah, oh, Fred's God. back. Hey, Fred. <laughs> welcome back. Hey, guys. The podcast. Woo! Podcast. How's it going? How's uh, it, it goes. You know, I mean, life life happens. Things occur. I'm still breathing, as far as I know. That's good. Yeah. I feel like we're yeah. breaking the broadcasting rule where if anyone new comes to the show or leaves the show, you never talk about it. Just all of a sudden, there's someone new. Well, I feel like we break a lot of broadcasting rules. So <laughs> I didn't know there were broadcasting rules. So any that I'm breaking, I'm 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 just ignorant of. It's not. I'm not <laughs> doing it on purpose. I promise. It's just something I notice on the radio, especially morning shows. It's just all of a sudden there's like two people missing from the morning show, and like no one talks about it. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> Apparently, they fired the entire morning crew of K Rock this week. Okay. Yeah, I don't know K Rock. Oh, the radio station in Los Angeles was big. Oh, okay. Big deal. Like thirty, they'd been going thirty years or something like that, and they fired him on a phone call. Nice. Like, oh, oof, damn. Like in the middle of the morning show. Apparently. <laughs> so, oh no. There was there was a reasonable amount of hate thrown the uh, parent company's direction. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're live. We're doing our first episode uh, live on Twitch and YouTube at the moment. Yeah. At, at some point, to... we need to figure out how the YouTube link works. It's probably it probably it exists somewhere. I mean, I don't see a. Uh, it tells me the stream is healthy, which is what my doctor told me. <laughs> That's a lie. This isn't healthy. <laughs> But the the I don't see a link or there must be if you, we must have a YouTube page, right? That must exist. Yes, I, I just don't know how to find it. So <laughs> if I go to YouTube home on Twitch are literally people who are here, so you know. Yeah. Let's see. Is it oh create a video? That's not it. Uh your channel. Is it that one? It must be. Yes. Here it is. Here's okay. Uh, I found it. <laughs> your channel. I found oh. it, y'all. Hey, you want to put that somewhere where the rest of us can use it? I don't. Okay, think... I'm gonna. I'm throwing it into voice bubble right yeah. now. Do, do, do. Boink. There you go. Ha. That. And now I know where that is. How you doing? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> this this having a thing? Yeah, I mean, I just finished the last of the grocery shopping and dropped some off for D. I got her the diapers for the kids. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I was just gonna make dinner. Neat. I was dressed in my apocalypse finest, though. She's dressed in her apocalypse finest. That's true. Yeah. I'd like some of that. Sure. There you go. Thank you. 
Um, so today we're talking about uh, what was the topic, Kevor? It was going to be either um, <laughs> designing for the internet, <laughs> design text for text online, text or only or online play. That's what we're yeah. doing. Really, you're not doing a review of pandemic or pandemic legacy? Or... <laughs> I feel like that would be in slightly poor. Out you. <laughs> This is a, this is this is not a board game review podcast. No, 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 no. But I mean, the benefits of the design between the original and the legacy version. Uh, okay, that's fair. Didn't, that's we, fair. I, didn't I we talk about it. legacy mechanics? Yeah, yeah we did talk about yeah, legacy yeah, yeah. briefly. I don't know if we did an entire episode on it. But I mean, we had, I mean, we had a Davy Rowe. Yeah, that'd be interesting. We do at some point. Yeah, maybe next week if we're still There's doing actually... this. A really good GDC talk that uh, Rob and Matt Leacock gave about um, Pandemic Legacy and the mechanics that they used and how it was very RPG inspired as well. So, mm. yeah, uh, when when he was on here, he talked about uh, the trail at at uh, mm. the trail Legacy basically being an RPG in a box, like a generational RPG in a box. And uh, I wish I'd had time to actually play it. My uh, the local game pub got a copy. I don't know how they're doing the legacy stuff though. So, mm. yeah, yeah. That talking... oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say that seems weird in a public setting, which is, I suppose, one of the drawbacks of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but that's not. Yeah, that's not really what we're what the topic is here. So, yeah, continue the topic. on. The topic oh. is we're talking about designing for online play and or text. Text. I don't. What's the text thing? Like it's going by post. Way. Play yeah, post. Play okay, post, yeah. that's still online play. I feel. Yeah, but I, I feel but like it's a very play. different way so you have so to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Do people still do play by post? I mean, I must. They get. They must. Right. That's yeah. That's there's still yeah, a thing. There's whole big yeah, things. It's yeah. rare, but it does happen. Yeah, I mean, there's whole websites dedicated to it. I I did it for a while and didn't have a group. It's weird. I guess is the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. It. So, okay, so for those people who don't know what play-by-post is, real quick, since we're doing this for an audience, um, basically, you're playing an RPG, but instead of talking with your friends, you write posts and put it on a forum or something like that. Sure. And you do all your roles on if there are roles. Um, right. And so, uh, basically, it's just weird because, for me, like, the thing that helps me best when I'm role-playing is, like, there's that flow kind of thing where you're, you know, you're having that improvisation, talking back and forth and you're making jokes and laughing. Um, but play by post really like lacks that social aspect. Sure. Because all you're doing is sending people messages over the internet. Um, and so it's more, at least in my experience, is more like pure role play, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, less, you know, less diversions and people going off and making references to shows or jokes or something but at the same time like that is kind of integral so i feel like that's because this was a topic that i had originally suggested i feel like that's part of a why i think this is important is because um it's hard to like you have to figure out a way um to deal with that issue you know to deal with the fact that you don't have people who are sitting right next to each other and are able to kind of read each other's social expressions and go off of that. <clears throat> I mean, that's not the whole thing, but it's part of it. Right. 
I found in my experience, a lot of it was sort of like uh, a drawn out social interaction. So where you can kind of make these jokes and you, you throw them offhandedly and then you move right back into the action with play by post, that kind of stuff takes away a lot because the time between posts is much longer. So I think people just tend to avoid uh, too much of this like out of game talk or that it usually happens in like a separate uh, forum channel or something like that just so that the action of the game can stay consistent um mm -hmm. but um generally i think that it gives some benefits as well in the sense that you can construct your story based on exactly what the player is doing like where where a gm might be nervous in improvising um very quickly on the spot play by post gives you the opportunity to really be able to think out your moves for as long as you want um as, add as much embellishment as you feel necessary, and then uh, submit the post. It's also nice if you are a, a pretty busy person, so you would not necessarily have time to sit down for a four to eight hour chunk of time to play a game. Um, you can kind of do it in like these 10 to 20 minute bursts of like sit down, read what other people have posted, add your own post, and then go on with your day. Hmm. There's a lot of benefit there. Um, and I think the, the point is, are there RPG uh, game elements that are better suited to these kinds of things than, I don't know, like the, the traditional RPG structures yes. or which ones are, are better suited to it? Hey, Catrice, um, you have something to say? Go on your tangent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely do. Like the one that I'm actually kind of halfway working on right now sort of in the background when not speaking is I'm trying to actually build up for a Roll20 playtest um, part of the player stronghold. So like it's a mechanical thing for the for my game where basically characters are able to get like their own personal kind of like castle or keeper like a pirate ship or something like that. And essentially, it's this is going to be their home base. So you can actually build that in the background. Like, there are some things that are just easier to do in between sessions. And normally, that's the kind of thing that you would do in between a session. But if your entire game is in between sessions, basically, it gives you a lot more time to think about things. Hmm. So you can actually start planning for certain things in that sense. Like you can build the entire game off of the concept that you have time to think in between each action. You can have more complicated uh, mechanics. Like there's a lot of things that I do differentiate between when you're actually in combat and when you're out of combat, because the out of combat stuff, you have time to think about a little more. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're waiting on somebody else's turn. You got to do it right now. Mm -hmm. If you were actually building your entire game with the premise that uh, everybody's going to have like hours, possibly days in between when they do stuff, you can actually make the game a little bit more in depth just because there's time to think about how all this works. That's yeah, a good that's point. about all I was going to say. 
it, it I can see it being really useful as sort of um, the downtime mechanics. Like, I wonder if there's, you can take an existing RPG structure where you sit down for your main campaign and then the um, in between sessions, like you go to your, your camp at night and you have this like discussion with the rest of the people in RP. Um, and that can be sort of this slow thing that people can tune in or tune out to as they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Or you yeah. could do like individual scenes. Yeah, exactly. I actually think that's uh, like super interesting. There's a potentially a lot there. I think you 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 might need like um, a switch of some sort, like uh, for players who. I mean, it depends. But if you're doing this combined like uh, interactive campaign with like a. a long uh slow burn um downtime portion to it mm -hmm. i feel like some people wouldn't be interested in that i mean that's no guarantee but i i'd be concerned about putting a on off switch for any given player at any given mm. time without sort of being penalized from not being there right. i yeah. see what you're saying i mean you you kind of do need this sort of the, a fail safe if nobody checks the thing for like five days you know there was a i remember back in like the early 2000s doing a play-by-post for D D, and one of the players would check once a week maybe mm -hmm. and so he yeah i know and but he'd still check it regularly but still really want to play and so we kind of felt bad like not like doing stuff without him, but or her, I'm not sure. Uh, but it was uh, who am I kidding? It was probably a dude. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, there are no girls on the internet, remember that. Yeah. No, that's not why, because they were inconsiderate. That's why said. <laughs> it's it's probably that. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's probably, I mean. We're gonna do look at look at the bell curve of like inconsiderate <laughs> versus considerate. Yeah, probably more dudes are on that other end. Um, but no, it, it was it was the kind of thing where it hampered the rest of us by because like D and D didn't have like a sort of way you could do downtime and side scenes. You know, if we're all on the same, you know, if we're running through a, like a module, right, and we're all kind of doing the room to room thing. It's weird if one of the guys doesn't show up for six rooms and then wants to know what happened in room three. And and mm. there's no there's no good way to reintegrate other than that person taking the responsibility for them being absent. Um, the other thing that's weird about play by post is what do you do with initiative and like and combat? So for, so when I was doing play by post, we would actually have grids in the post of with a legend that were, you know, monsters, characters, and stuff like that. And then each post would move them, copy and paste that. And uh, oh yeah, Kevor, what happened to Kevor? Left. Anyway, uh, and you would copy and paste it, but man, it was tedious. Just, mm -hmm. just yeah. grim. Like, so, you know, I mean, we're really in a lot of ways, we're just talking about how 
traditional games don't work great for play by post, but when if we're looking ahead or if we're looking at like designing, like mm-hmm. I, you can kind of jump on advantages potentially of play by post or you know mm-hmm. obviously not using some weird mechanic like initiative mm-hmm. now, there's <laughs> yeah. like you don't really need initiative in play by post because that's for keeping track of which turn people are doing things in yeah. if or everybody's not doing it long term yeah, you don't have to worry about people talking over each other if it's play by post. So mm-hmm. initiative as a concept isn't really required. Um, there's a lot of other advantages, though, like something like paranoia would actually probably work better as play by post because you can set up like extra text side channels and such and mm-hmm. uh, direct messages between individual players. It's a lot easier to convey information between people without making it obvious that you're conveying that information so like if you have hidden information like i want to stab this player in the back and i don't want them to know that i did it mm-hmm. you can send that information to whoever's running it or or send like a whisper to an individual player and nobody else knows you did that Right. You don't have to even so much as write it on a sheet of paper and hand it to them where people at least know that you're doing something. Like the other players may be completely in the dark that you're doing this kind of underhanded stuff, which is yeah. perfect for a game where you're stabbing each other in the back and that's the point of it. Yeah. Or where the environment's stabbing you in the back. I call Cthulhu is another one that's actually pretty decent to run and play by post because you can be a little more like Lovecraftian in the in the how you write the post out you can do like have archaic language and stuff and make it you know really uh tune the theme up a little bit um it, there's there are some advantages to that so crafting the the way um what crafting the style of your post can actually have some Im- impact on the play i feel and maybe that's a good thing to speak to that's that's a really good point because I think even just having the digital assets that you can use, I think is is really key. Like you're saying about Call of Cthulhu, or, or if you had images or um, videos of things that you mm-hmm. wanted to throw in, it's much easier to do on a computer-based system than it is to do in person. Like I, I don't know. I was never one to really like print off um, handouts and do that kind of stuff. But if it's just a matter of putting up a picture on Roll20 and put, sending it off to people, um, that's a lot easier and gets everyone into picturing the exact same thing. Then I know yeah. when I did my like Edge of the Empire campaign, I would do the starting scrawl for each single episode. So it just <laughs> kind of recapped what happened last time. Um, and it's using those kind of visual digital tools that I had available to me that everyone could like go home and and whatever like access on their own computer um and i couldn't do that in the same way in person i guess like i'm not going to hold the page up and just kind of shift it upwards in the air until we actually we actually did that for our in-person edge of the empire games we have (laughs) that star wars there's that is an online like scroller maker and the gm would do one for every session yeah, that's what like I did. Recapping yeah. and 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 play the music and everything. It was it was cool, man. Um, that was a pretty decent game. It had some had some weird issues. 
like mechanically, but yeah, overall pretty decent. Um, so the, the idea of like being able to set up audio visuals stuff, it's a lot easier if you have prep time in advance for that, mm -hmm. or if you can do it on a computer, like mm -hmm. if you can just do it on a computer, like play by post is so much easier now that we have the internet instead of having to write it out on a letter. Like, yeah, it's actually yeah. advanced quite a lot. <laughs> and in some ways, I would actually say play by post with the computer is actually easier in some ways than doing it in person now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least in terms of the time commitment, um, just and the getting people together, it's really hard to get people together to play a game, but it's pretty easy to get people to be able to like write a paragraph every day or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's also a lot easier to get people to find things for their characters too. Like if you're in person, it's like, okay, my character looks like this. I need like an actual miniature of my character or something. It's like, it's a lot easier to find like a picture that's pretty close online now or mm -hmm. just commission artwork. Like that's relatively cheap compared to getting an actual miniature. Like yeah. getting a portrait for your character is actually not expensive. Like if you look the right places, you can get somebody that'll give you a pretty decent quality, like um, just a, a portrait, like five, $10. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can go on Fiverr and have people do sketches. I mean, there's, yeah, people are doing that stuff. And hey, support them right now, huh? That's some mm -hmm. yeah, artists need to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Support your artists. Yeah, but um, yeah, with um, actually, with that being said, I feel like that's one thing that's probably important. I mean, you're right, Cat, in that it's yeah, it's much less of a like resource commitment. Because yeah, you can just find a picture online or something like that. But also, uh, I really like my my you know my feelies, my my relics. Um, oh, you know, definitely. rolling dice and moving things around on the board and stuff, um, which is definitely lost when you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have my dice out from the previous game I was in earlier tonight. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, like my, the game I'm working on, uh, like it's pretty hard to do online. Like it's not hard to do online, but it's requires a little bit of extra effort because you're placing things on a physical piece. Um, and uh, you know, Rob was talking about earlier, having to figure out a grid on play by post. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, yeah, it's just that then you either have to if you're using a game that uses that if you're playing a game that uses that stuff you have to then either figure out a way around it um or you know just deal with doing something awful uh and i it loses that that touch aspect which i feel like is something that one should try and replicate like yeah you want to pre preserve that experience somehow online i mean yeah even even a lot of the online uh the 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 like roll twenty and the, the various platforms. Oh, I just I just learned about a new one, Astral. Astral looks pretty cool. It's mm. uh they they're making it free for ninety days. I think their their pro thing is free for ninety days now. Anyway, um, I tried it the other day. It's it's pretty good. Like in terms of maps, I haven't tried their character building stuff yet or um uh, any of their in game chat stuff. But like for map building, it's pretty dope. Um, but those tools are act 
I think they're better at this point than than the stuff that's you know my ideal setting would now be to get everybody around a giant computer monitor and you know like in the center of the table and have that be like with all the special effects and the animation and you can do you know the tracking and the math and all this stuff that that smooths the game but also have that in-person experience i feel like that might be the optimal um setting for rpgs but like i you know now but all of those have that tactical feel to them the the their tactile feel i'm sorry mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. where you've got dice that animate and roll it's not just hit a button get a random number you know there's there's stuff yeah, to you replace get that in like fantasy grounds now and mm -hmm. tabletop simulator where you they have a physics simulator where you actually pick up the dice and you have to roll them and nope. the rolling right. of the dice actually changes how it actually rolls a little bit yeah, yeah. like if you roll well, that... it against the side of the screen it bounces and that's what part of why i hate tabletop simulator but that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting how how close they're trying to replicate it cuz tabletop sim is also VR capable. So you can sit there in your VR headset in front of a what seems like a table and play with other people around you that are also interacting with the items yeah. like though it was physical stuff. Yeah. Um yeah. and to be fair the the mechanics are really clunky and not the greatest right now, but that's yeah. the direction that they're trying to take it is to just be like, okay, well, I don't know, you've moved to different countries, people aren't free all the time. And like, here's a way that you can all sit around a virtual tabletop, play the games that you love, and still have that tactical feeling to everything you're doing. Yeah. And, um, and you know, with the technology moving as fast as it is, uh, I feel like that's going to be so good in like five years. Like mm -hmm. that experience of of sitting around a table is going to be something that he, I think I feel like that's what it's pushing towards anyway. Yeah, like the new kind of stuff where like you have the camera set up and it reads your body and then sort of projects your body into AR space for the other person, so mm -hmm. it looks like you're sitting at their table. I've seen demos of that and it looks pretty freaking crazy. Like the latency is way lower than you would expect for like a full three D rendering with texture um yeah it's it's pretty nuts and i think i think that that experience is coming and in that way i'm it's really interesting to see what might happen when you have a no physical limit on the number of people around a R rpg table oh i just thought of something actually no i thought of that like ages ago but the idea <laughs> of like um vr larping will mm -hmm. actually be like a really major thing in the near future oh yeah 100 percent. where i mean and, and to the point where it would scan your body and your face and then you could adjust all your sliders and stuff like that and just make yourself look what however you wanted to in game but it would still be mm -hmm. like a, some version of you that's that's i can't imagine that's too far off either uh that's and, true i don't know why you want to do yeah so how do we design tabletop yeah. RPGs for this space where video games yeah. are going to kill our careers and dreams? <laughs> this isn't like video games doing anything in the negative. It's like they're blending together. It's not going to be video games or tabletop. Like for a large part, they're yeah. kind of going to merge together, I think, into yeah. being kind of the same thing. Because like the biggest problem with video games for the longest time was 
it didn't have the human element to it. Like you could only do what was put into the game already, what was already programmed into it in advance. That kind of changed a little bit, like way back with, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, Neverwinter Nights, because you could actually mm. have like literally a server with GMs on it that could create events in the moment mm. it was trying really really hard at the time to give that sort of tabletop experience in a video game and i think that we're actually as we're getting more technology we're actually getting to the point that we can actually get closer to the feeling of having a tabletop while not actually having to sit around the table but we're getting all the benefits of it once you have like the VR aspect, then you're not building for a video game still. Mm -hmm. You're still building for a tabletop. But now we'll be able to do things like um, one of my favorite games, uh, Mission for Cyberstorm, which was basically a, a tabletop war game, but it was built for a computer. So they mm -hmm. looked at it and they were like, we could just use dice, but we can make really absurdly complicated and amazing mechanics because the players are never going to see them. Mm -hmm. Like They're just going to see a percentage to hit. Mm -hmm. And then that means like all these complicated mechanics. Like There are certain formulas that, as a video game designer for like, I would love to use, like diminishing returns formulas for armor. And I can't use it in a tabletop because it's like, there's no way I'm ever going to get any of my players to use. <laughs> <laughs> but right. once they can have that automated for them and all they need to do is pick up like a virtual die and they roll the die and all of the math is processed for them automatically, it'll actually give us more things we can do that we wouldn't otherwise would have been yeah. even you, you can certainly ratchet up the detail and like or or the verisimilitude or fantasy in whatever direction you want like yeah. where you can have hyper hyper realism where you do all the all the uh all you know very very specific like armor versus weapon type interactions and all that stuff um or you could have stuff where you you know you jump and you go a mile high that's, you know, a supers game, but you can actually do it, you know? Oh, God, I wouldn't want to do that in VR. <laughs> I'm scared of it as it is. Actually doing that in VR, oh, my God, I feel awful. I feel so uh, And this is definitely my opinion, not really like a, a large statement about uh, role-playing games um, or uh, online games or video games, for that matter. but. I don't think that role-playing games are suffering from not being able to have complicated, more complicated uh, mechanics. And I also yeah. think that there's like a, a line for me that's crossed, um, potentially crossed when we talk about VR in the sense of, uh, like, not a, a VR table, like not like virtually sitting down at a table, but potentially virtually 
um, playing out a pre-described um, scene. Mm. Um, like I can picture VR LARPing, mm. but I, it, I think that demands something a lot more wide open than um, like what we think about with VR video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, so that's I don't my think it's hurting, but I, I do think that there are a little bit of limitations on it. There are some issues, like if you've got like a dice pull system, like when you roll your dice to do whatever, and you've got like, let's say Shadowrun with your bucket of D6s. It's like there is kind of a delay when you start rolling and then you start counting and then you add up your successes and it's like okay this is taking like 20 seconds away from the game and it's like in that time the other person has already pulled out their phone it's like if this was done automatically quickly for you it's like you press the button and okay we have six successes i don't need to count them i don't need to tally them up i don't need to go over them or anything it's like that that actually does help a bit with immersion in some ways. So I do think that cutting down my... on the math you need to do is helpful. Yeah, I guess my argument would be like, that's sort of like presupposing that Shadowrun is, has the appropriate mechanics for Cyberpunk, for example, where like, mm -hmm. I find that as a mechanics issue, not uh a uh, calculation issue mm -hmm. no yeah. i i agree with you that they just haven't built a mechanic that's actually using tabletop in mind actually which is weird but it's like i think that as we start integrating like virtual reality and stuff mm -hmm. it'll give more options for different types of gameplay things that you can do that are easier like you won't have to worry about trying to reference the book to figure out what you're able to do with a certain ability you wouldn't have to worry about long ability lists or oh it's a dnd spell book uh, i'm gonna be here a while yeah I mean, potentially yeah there's definitely that's kind of a nice thing you'd still be yeah. able to have the spell book though you'd have the complexity of a spell book but it would be much easier to use. And I think that is important, but I do think it's going to branch off separate from traditional tabletop to some degree. I think we're actually going to see a little bit of a fork there, and you'll find that mm -hmm. there's like video games tabletop, and then there's going to be this weird middle amalgamation, which becomes its own separate thing that kind of takes advantages of both. I think that's already happened with like... I think yeah, I think that's already happened with like Roll Twenty and and the other the other the other platforms that are pretty close to a video game, but not they're 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 still sandboxes, but yeah. they're entirely digital. And I feel as those get more uh, though the tools become better in every dimension. I feel like they're going to get to that place exactly like you're talking about, Cat, where it's like it's not a video game and it's not a role play game, but it's a, it's this digital toolbox or sandbox that that um, you can use to tell stories with basically any rule set and you can just give the game a rule set and then that's, and then use all their pieces fundamentally. 
Right. Yeah. It's interesting to think about it too, because that's sort of asking how much control are you taking away from players and putting into a system like an operator that is either moderating the rules or determining what you can and can't do. Like um, part of the freeform nature of role play at the table is that we we can guarantee that anything is possible, mm-hmm. that a player can respond, can do whatever they want, but um, it's all in the theater of the mind. And at a certain extent, um, that is a limitation upon like a computer that can do it. So right. in, a, in a digital space, you might not be able to represent it quite the same way or have the right tools built for it. Um, and I don't know, maybe there will be someday, but um, I think that's about a lot. It in advance. I mean, I yeah. basically built my system intentionally with this in mind that eventually we would be there. So it's designed mm-hmm. so that you can already do that because I figured we'll we'll get there within the next few years. That so. makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you saying you saying that but you're like you're designing this in, with the intention of a computer doing all the background stuff. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. Uh, I'm kind of on the same wavelength of Mark um, in that I uh, it is certainly interesting. I, uh, not not for me. Like I've just been kind of reacting negatively to this stuff because I love just sitting around a table with people, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my main, my main concern with that is as you, as you move further into a video game, um, or, you know, not further into, but further, but closer to, you start to lose the flexibility that I think comes with role-playing games where, you know, if you, if you go, oh, this rule doesn't make sense in this particular scenario, let's budget a little bit and move on with our life. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, you know, it, that's important. yeah. Um, and not to say that that's like a total deal breaker, but stuff like that, that's why I don't, I wouldn't want a computer doing those kind of um, calculations and things like that for me. Well, uh, because you just, you lose that, yeah, at, at, like Smart said, you lose that control. It gets taken away from you and put into the hands of something else. Whereas I and I don't feel that that <clears throat> is ne- uh, good or necessary. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's going to come down to how it's actually designed. Like if you set it up so that it's very structured in that way, so it's very much so like a video game, like. Mm-hmm okay, if you're going to do something, you have to roll this specific skill with this specific thing, and it's like, if you do not have this ability, then you can't do it, period, then yeah, you'd be screwed. But I don't think that's really what we're seeing. Like, if you look at something like roll 20, like we were talking about, then if you don't have it set up in such a way, it's not really a problem. You can still play, like, most games like even if you run into something that's like okay the player wants to jump off the chandelier swing across it or across the room you don't you're not forced to make the role Mm -hmm. but i would agree that there is definitely a difference between 
sitting directly at the table with friends right there and somebody that's like you know halfway across the world that's it's nice but i would rather do it in person but for somebody like me i live in the middle of fucking nowhere being able to play with people at all period is really handy for me because (laughs) i don't have the option to play with people in person otherwise so this is actually really handy so yeah I i think there's some really like um i don't know i i see like larp actually forming into the the vr part much more easily um but i could be wrong but Mm -hmm. like things like red versus blue um which is essentially came out of this uh online gameplay where people decided to not do what the game was made for and they're just like Mm -hmm. oh like we actually have this really neat space where we can just interact and do whatever the hell we Mm -hmm. want and kind of be silly or whatever we want, right? And um, changing that space and making it um, more, even more of a place where you can interact freely, I think that's really cool. Um, But I guess, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm having this, like, visceral chest feeling of, like, I just, I can't handle the idea of my role-playing games turning into video games, which <laughs> they don't really do. Like you said, they, there's probably going to be a fork and there'll be new role-playing games mm-hmm. that will just be role-playing games, even if they're sort of optimized for online play. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it with board games, right? We're seeing like <clears throat> board games moving into digital space fully with board games being recreated for phone or table um, or or steam or virtual tabletop and then you have the board games that are integrating digital in some way like um mansions of madness or xcom or something like that where they have Mm -hmm. an app that you need in order to play it uh which can be a problem if the parent company shuts down its digital division yeah (laughs) and, and bricks your board game uh which might happen you know i mean it, it's totally possible that you, you know, it, I, because iOS, if you don't keep up with the updates for your app, they take it off the store, and so you you could have a bricked game, essentially. Um, I I can't I think, think of an RPG really that does you. that has that level of integration with an app yet, where where the company going down would brick your book, but mm-hmm. I can imagine it happening. And I feel like that's the thing you're trying to, you're, that's the thing you're viscerally uh, don't want any, no, any part of. I mean, I wouldn't want to be part of that, but it's more about mm-hmm. gameplay. It's more about losing something about the gameplay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like... A... Right. I mean, there's... So anytime you define something, you... I mean, you do two things, right? So if you define an object in, in a VR space, you're making it hyper tangible for those players in a way that uh an, an imaginary object in an rpg space or traditional rpg space wouldn't but you're also taking away the ability for them to define it by their imagination and i is this the second part more of the thing you're getting at that's you definitely like, part of it there, okay. there's something about um challenging 
the player mm-hmm. um, in a way that's not like, like D&D challenges the player, but it's largely, here's a monster. And so if you're thinking about like putting D&D, the role-playing game onto in, in a strongly online place, mm-hmm. then it it's sort of like uh, easy to picture, but, but um it's also when, fairly generic in a lot of ways. Yeah. But even just to take the the apocalypse world, for example, and just to think about how the failures work and how the um, partial successes work, and they put players in this challenging position that a VR space might have a really tough time doing, but, but I'm not sure. Maybe not. And um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too much about it. Well, I think there, I think there are some things that will be more difficult. Like as Rob was saying, with defining certain things, like especially if you have a game where you have to describe certain things, like oh, you'll actually be able to see this new alien species that no one's ever seen before. Oh, wait, we don't have a model for that in the shop already. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Um, We'll use a placeholder. This is the proxy. Um, it, it doesn't actually look like the uh, giant praying mantis that we put in here. Mm-hmm. But that's so just pretend that it's actually this other thing and it's actually harder to do that when you can actually see it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, you get the same problem in like tabletop tours. Like, hey, pretend, pretend this ogre is a beholder for a minute with the miniature, right. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, so, I don't. No, I, it's pop, not confined. It's pop, not confined pop. to VR spaces. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. With with things it's like it's not. It's it's more prevalent though. It's like mm-hmm. yes, there is. No, the Carnifax is the pop bottle. It's not hiding behind it. <laughs> right. Oh, right. <laughs> but but it's not as as common of an issue for the most part. Like mm-hmm. if you're playing a game that thinks you should have miniatures they tend to provide miniatures at the very Mm -hmm. least if you're doing like an rpg like in general there's a lot of rpgs which just really don't have a lot of artwork but they they do have a lot of things that are very vividly described that you can just picture because it's all in text it's enough that you can visualize it yourself and I do think that is something that we will be losing a bit of, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm I'm trying to think of how um, right now we could have sort of practical suggestions of if you were someone who was designing an RPG from the ground up at this point, what are the things that you could take advantage of in the existing online space um, and where like Catrice, you've already mentioned that you're sort of designing with the anticipation of the the future design space for digital online medium. Um, what about the current one? Are there things that right now we could be designing for or considering when approaching design? Oh, there's definitely some things like um, part of it is like the automation such part of it is being able to have easy access to a lot of information at your fingertips immediately without having to go digging through a book mm-hmm. like pdfs or like um 
uh, online library or wiki entry is a lot easier to navigate than a physical book, unfortunately. Like, a physical book does Wise. have that tangible aspect <laughs> to it, but if you have not used the book often enough, like, you know, a hundred plus times, finding the very specific rule that you're looking for is actually a lot harder than control F. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause like, even if you were to visualize it as like, um, sort of having your rules listed as bullet points, um, mm -hmm. it's easier for the online space or for a lookup table to be like, boop, this is the rule that you need right now, as opposed to like, Oh, I need to check this thing. Let me open my 150 page PDF, control F and then find like where all the instances of this rule interact with this other rule. Um, so being able to organize the rule set in a different layout than print um, is actually really useful. Is that what you were getting at? It, that's a very large aspect of it. Um, things like the wiki thing of just being able to mm -hmm. attach things that are related to each other. Like even in the game that I'm building, I'm building it as a PDF because I can hyperlink within the book to itself. Like, right. Anytime I mention, oh, well, you, you're able to use your strength stat, it's like, I can link this directly to the attributes and it will take you there, or I can even set it up so there's like a mouse over pop-up, so if you run your cursor over it, it actually tells you what it does. Like, these are really nice features that you can do with a computer you can't really do in print unfortunately mm -hmm. but there's a big difference that like if the power goes out at home what do i do i pull out like physical copies of tabletop games and i can read through them like that's a really nice advantage as well like there's yeah. definitely going to be advantages to both sides mm -hmm. i think that we're in in when we look at things like pdfs or the format of the game text um that's there's definitely a benefit there but i think that looking at how you exist online and and exploring how you could have game interactions in those spaces so what do twitter game interactions look like what do facebook game interactions look like what do discord game interactions look like um I can say for Discord, I can't say for the others. I can say for forums as well. Right, and, and I'm speaking to, like, if we know those spaces, then we can design for play in those mm -hmm. spaces or design in those spaces. Mm -hmm. So what, what yeah. like, let's take Discord as the first example, and then I think we can build from there. So what would you say um, the space would be like what are the unique restrictions or tools that discord allows um, that we can design around so There's... i mean i That's think a good, good example of this is um the uh uh verona uh game that has the the um can't even remember what the heck it's called the faction term game in the background and there i mean it's not as big as it was it's died down but we're talking about like thousands of players um playing in the background uh of another game and 
Discord one allowed for thousands of players. Uh, it allowed for factioning of all those players. Mm -hmm. um, and then with some guidance and sort of guidelines and, and some strict rules, they uh, you got this really interesting development of factions that just sort of built out of the interactions of the people who joined them. Um, mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I, I think that's a good example of what benefits uh, that Discord can have. Uh, it's it can be large. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I I know you joined that too, Mark. What did you think of that? Yeah, I um, I haven't watched like or experienced an actual play uh, over a longer term, but I would tune in and tune out, I guess. And, and I think mm -hmm. that part of what I really engaged with was the fact that in certain cases, the audience played a big role in the role play. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such an amazing design space to consider that like my, my future games, I want to really uh, get into that because I don't think before RPGs have been in such a spotlight where you mm -hmm. can actually have an audience of a thousand people and influencers that are wanting to play games together um, over large distances. Like I think this is a really unique way to approach getting people to experience role play and have um, other chaotic influences into the rules of the game. Like yeah. I, I rely on players being a source of chaos, but it's fun if the players themselves can rely on an audience to be a source of chaos. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, part of that Farverona stuff where it's like the players themselves aren't fully in control of the faction turns, and they're just going to have to deal with the consequences of what these larger nations have to do. And I think mm -hmm. that's such a like, mind-blowing, amazing design concept that um, we can exploit in online play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's like... Uh... It can get a little gross where you could have like um, pay to pay to influence, or I'm not sure what if there's a specific online term for that, but it's like, hey, give us fifty dollars and we'll make you know an avalanche you get a vote. on, yeah, mm -hmm. or you you get to cause an avalanche on right. you know this roadway or whatever, mm -hmm. and I think that can be yeah. risky. It, it would be kind of risky but it also be kind of neat because then you'd actually have people interacting with each other like people like being mm -hmm. able to have an audience is kind of a nice thing to be honest and there's definitely some advantages to such especially when you have like uh, people that well you'd actually have people interacting with it and being able to support your hobby like if you actually get good at doing this like you're basically an actor mm -hmm. like you see those like already popping up i can't remember the names of them like critical role just off the top mm -hmm. of my head i finally remembered one but you have people that are actually getting paid to do this it's kind of a good thing because oh hey these people can actually afford to do their hobby now Oh, this is yeah. I'm not amazing. against uh, players or actors 
performers, whatever you want to call them, being paid. But um, as far as audience interactions and pay for those interactions, they they can leave out a portion of people. And even for that matter, Far Verona uh, did have a bit of a paywall. I can't remember if it was a dollar or three dollars or whatever it was. Um, so even that had its own uh, paywall. Right. So even that was a little bit maybe. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not appropriate. Like I say, the the money has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it can be uneven, then it's. I think that can be difficult for some fans to handle. And that's mm-hmm. a weird thing to be concerned about from the design perspective is like, a, <laughs> if that's what we're talking about, like you might be worried about like an audience that's not even directly playing your game. That is a potential thing that might need to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Some things that I don't like about Discord is the uh, the scrolling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to follow a topic in a channel, mm-hmm. uh, especially day to day. Like you can change, and you you don't know where to like go back and start. That's um, a good point. Compared to a forum, where if you like when you click on that initial posts like you know everything else is going to be related to that one thing but mm-hmm. in discord you just sort of spit out almost whatever you want or whatever you're thinking as long as it's sort of along the lines of the channel yeah yeah and you have the conversations within conversations and mm-hmm. yeah yeah especially yeah if you if you come back to a a discord channel that was very active and you weren't actively participating you'll just be what the fuck is this Mm -hmm. and that could be two hours later (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that does happen yeah Yeah. whereas yeah where something some drama blew up and now like the server's split in half and there's factions but they're like it's not like rpg factions (laughs) there's two groups of people that hate each other's guts (laughs) the server there there wasn't two hours ago and you're like what guys what what we were friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even well, just like a little side story or something, mm-hmm. like you could just miss things very easily. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's a bit of a weakness of Discord, but it it has, I don't know, a lot of things you could look at, and I think that there might be like, uh, I don't know, I'm not writing a game for Discord, but but since we know Discord, when we do write a game that's played on Discord, if if someone were to do that. You you can take these these strengths and weaknesses and and um, work them into the game itself. Yeah, I can see a, I can see an interesting way of uh, creating a system where each uh, each place the players visit is a different uh, chat room, and it's it's got different. You know, there's different rules or different bots in there that react in different ways to stuff. You, I, yeah, there, there could be ways you could design or, or you know, have different voice chat rooms where um, you can split the party actually and um, not let people talk to each other. Or you could do things 
like I don't, I don't know okay that's probably that's all i got for now <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but if you have an audience you can mm-hmm. have them playing mm-hmm. background yeah. characters mm-hmm. in the same yeah space. i did that for a for a mage game uh i ran a couple actually a couple of different uh mage games um that i had i created a, a forum that was an in-game forum that the characters could post on and NPCs would react with them. I mean, it was me playing all the NPCs, but mm-hmm. it was a way to like one, organize the game for the week. And then also um, they could like, they could, they could ask NPCs things. They could, you know, sort of hatch plots on there. And then I had some events where like, uh, you know, one time the forum got hacked by uh, uh it's a glass walker werewolves. Um, and uh, that was pretty fun. It was just, it was a, a way of extending the game into a different, into a different space that didn't, you know, we weren't required to use the rules of mage to do anything there. So right. it became more free form uh, role playing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it just extended, extended the, the immersion of the, of the world, I guess. Um, and I would post on there like pretty much daily as like at least five or six different people. <laughs> and it was pretty fun. Like I would get I would get into forum wars with myself. Uh, oh, that, 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 that's that's legitimate, Rob. <laughs> of all the things I've encountered, that's the thing that makes me think, but uh, tells me the most about your GM style, and I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if those are still up. I, I can't imagine they would be. But depends on what they're on. But yeah, those hyperboards. I think oh, hyperboards are like cleaned every like five years or something like that. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, what I found for experience on those was not those specifically, but doing play by post on a forum was that people would get really into something, but because the delay on play by post was so long they would start up multiple different ones but then they would forget because something hadn't happened in like a day for whatever reason so they forget that one exists and you'd have like good rp going on and then one of the players just disappears and forgets about it Hmm. and it happened really often so that actually did start to bug me after a while. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say there's usually like a pretty uh, consistent dropout, I think, of uh, RPGs where I think people get really invested in a theme or an idea uh, for what their campaign would be like. And then over time, that interest peters out. And if it's on play by post, you're getting such little amounts of that content that I think it's more susceptible to people petering out before the end. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you can like do it in a few sessions and you've got your game like story consistent and condensed, then it's like you can, I don't know, it's more manageable. But I don't know, most of my RPGs have atrophied just based on time. Like someone has to leave or the... Uh, I don't know, there's some some change that happens where the group has to fall apart. Um, and I think that's just prone to happening because people's lives are chaotic. And in a play-by-post, you've got like six months of time 
doesn't mean a lot of action. So yeah, and it's easier to break up with friends you don't know and don't have to see. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, there's there's not as much social pressure to show up to an online thing. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. paradoxically, even though it's easier. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I that's I that's definitely one of the things that I've experienced is yeah, you you start out okay, I've got 10 people and then suddenly next next week you have two. Right. Um and I mean that's I don't know how we can design around that. I suppose that's that's more of a social thing. Um so but yeah. But I, it is, but I mean I think if if I was going to try to design around it I would consider that attention span and, you know, shorten my campaigns or, or whatever, like there's things to sort of tackle um, instead of playing for uh, three hours on a Saturday. Can I play three half hours just throughout the week uh, just to maintain engagement, but keep a, a commitment low, like, uh, mm-hmm. I like that's how I would try to to tackle some of those issues. Um, yeah, actually, designing around really short sessions sounds like an interesting topic in and of itself. Um, yeah. that sounds hard. Like, I have ideas, vet, like vague ideas on how to do that, but it's very, it's a very you you have to take a a very different mindset into it. You do. Yeah. It's the kind of thing I'm just not personally interested in. It's like, it's not just short sessions, it's that short sessions tend to also imply short arcs as well. Like, you're probably not going to have like a half hour play session that becomes this multi-year campaign where your characters gain like a lot of depth and such it's usually mm-hmm. it's going to be short it's going to be short in all aspects i mean you might be able to do otherwise but for the most part i'm mostly interested in you know getting attached to my characters in the world and such mm-hmm. it just doesn't appeal to me it's not what i'm interested in i get that um because I have similar feelings, but whenever I look at my role-playing history and like just listening to Mark say, saying how much is petered out, like I played one more than year campaign in my life, and I was fifteen and sixteen, uh, and that's it. It's never happened again. Hmm. And uh, oh, it's what? there's something to be said for um, focusing on short arcs, and I feel that given the proper direction that you can create um, short arcs, like just say whatever, three sessions, and you could even uh, shorten the sessions. But every time an arc ends, you can, it's like an entry point or an exit point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and I think when we have players with commitment issues, not like issues like they're bad or whatever, but like they just can't no, it just be around. Happens. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't, uh, I haven't made that, but it should be at least somewhat attainable. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll have to think about that. 
I haven't actively thought about that in games I'm designing, but I should for anything that's going to be more than one session. Yeah. The, the, the idea of, of entry and exit points is interesting to design in, especially for that kind of online play where you don't know how long people are going to hang for, you know, where it's the mm -hmm. kind of thing where you could have, you could get a, a start a game with two people and then, you know, halfway through the guys, one of the person's friends from the office was like, oh, you play D&D &D too? Cool. Let me join in. And, and you know, with a small person game, it's most people will generally add one to two people up until it gets about five or six. And it's nice to have an entry point for, for that thing where it feels where, uh, where the diegetic world is respected, where mm -hmm. there, the, the fiction, uh, has an opening for that to happen. Um, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of RPGs don't do that. <clears throat> there, there. I feel there are some that probably would do it better. Blades in the Dark is probably one where it has a, a nice way for uh, for new characters to be introduced uh, during the downtimes, um, either by upgrading one of the existing contacts or you know one of the existing uh, gang mooks or something like that. Um, I feel like it's got a good entry point on a session to session level. I feel like that that could be something that could be adapted to online play fairly readily. Yeah, I I then wonder, I mean, if we kind of take that to an extreme, uh, I mean, how do you play with like a constantly rotating cast of characters? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, or maybe not constantly, but you know, something that regularly rotates where you've just got, okay, we've got these five people next week, two of them are coming back, or yeah, five people this week. We've got two coming back next week with two extra people who have never played before. Right. That, to me, sounds really messy. And maybe that's just because I'm used to like having you know the same people over and over again. And just because I think that that creates a you know this cohesive kind of idea. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, at the same time, like introducing new people c could be interesting. Yeah, yeah I have this um, uh, design idea for the Gladiator game. So if you have two people or, you know, three people or four people or ten different people, but only three people are playing at a time, um, because of the idea of Gladiators, like, are almost literally in a stable, like, they can come in and out of mm -hmm. the story uh, relatively easily. But one of the problems with that is um, is uh, how the game uh, story handles that. Uh, and what I'm trying to think of without saying it is like how the GM deals with that. Um, mm -hmm. But but I don't want there to be a GM. And um, so what I'm trying to do, or what I want to do. Uh, I don't have details, but it's just an idea is like have uh, after each fight based on the fight outcome or maybe just based on a random thing that the the game dictates, the uh, game essentially gets a string on each fighter and it could be multiple strings, but mm. it would just be a function of strings would be attached to each fighter and the players that 
exist at the table would be required to pull at least some of the strings um, as part of play. And so those that those pulling those strings would create scenes uh, potentially like outside of the fighting uh, without having a um, uh, a GM sort of specifically sort of trying to wrangle that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to do the same thing with Ashes where it's like the, the players have certain things that are they're going to be focused on, but also the game should have like nooses that they should they can step into or snares. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm and imagining especially... sort of the like WWE uh, wrestling where they have the fights in the arena, but then off to the side, there's this uh, tension of the characters and their personalities that can interact. Is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to a certain degree, yeah. And like, because I have already this dynamic where you can love or hate Rome. And so I've, I haven't written this down, but in my head, it's like, what would be your intention as a fighter? And if you're trying to like win fame, um, you would have certain strings that would uh, like be triggered, like trying to be pulled down or being helped up or, and if you're trying to win or, or get freedom, um, you'd have different strings that would sort of fuck you up potentially or, or help you out. Um, But each string would be like, uh, a role play scene so it could be like the uh lanista uh i don't know is gonna charge you for your uh your health care because you did, had such a shitty fight or whatever right like, you know, <laughs> right. like whatever I don't, I don't know the exact terminology of it but but there would be a scene that would play out uh, yeah so s- stuff like that mm. um but but yeah it could be the the character or how did you put it the personality of either the um fighter or uh other uh, world characters that just exist in the game like like whoever could even be family you know children uh, all sorts of stuff like that i don't know if that quite um, solves the problems you were thinking of, Fred. But it's a it's a pretty messy bunch right now, so there, there's a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, no, that I mean, it certainly um, addresses a lot of problems. <clears throat> yeah, I guess I one of yeah one of the things that kind of was coming into my head, um, some someone unrelated to what you've been talking about, is uh, like what I mean. What do the mechanics in a game like? look like you know in a game where on any given play session you can have a completely disparate group of people from session to session um, so i want to bring something up on that note i hope this tangent doesn't go on too long or doesn't distract from your train of thought but we uh talked about uh the game oh god under hollowed hills <coughs> And mm-hmm. that is definitely a game. Well, it might not be intentionally designed that way. And if I feel like it, you could easily slot in people moving in and out because, uh, partially because of the lack of in, true advancement, and partially because of just 
the willing nature of picking like it's not unreasonable for the game with that premise for some people to not just not be there and some people to just like kind of slide in and out like weird like the weird fairies they are right right mm -hmm. i mean it's a game about creating stories as weird fairies so like it's not that strange to have one of them disappear suddenly and another one show up yeah also hi mel <laughs> Goodness. I can also oh. say, say anything. She doesn't want to She made fun I can also see that over a um a medium <gasps> that's like um You can't put fondue on camera. You're gonna make all of like the audience feel like horribly Jealous, like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have any audience that isn't us right now, so we're fine. I guess it's the future. Yeah, but I'm not fine now. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Yes, <laughs> Has anybody ever had bad fondue? Yes. Okay, actually, I'll take I that. Yeah, has. <laughs> I have screwed up fondue before. Yeah, the idea of fondue—it's like a chocolate fountain. It, it all—it all looks good in your head, and then like half an hour into eating, and it's like bits of yeah. everything in each dip, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that's never my my problem. Is more so that I screw the dip up, and I don't have like a proper acid in it. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Because you're yeah. supposed to use like wine or alcohol or vinegar or lemon juice, something to to break down the stuff. And occasionally I forget to do that. And then it's just, well, I have a bowl of cheese. <laughs> I, I mean, this still isn't a bad thing. Yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's still good. It's just not the dipping sauce I was looking for. <laughs> and this is not the dipping sauce you were looking for. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, Mark, you're about yeah. to say something. Mark, you have a thought. Oh yeah. That's uh, no, okay. I tried. I tried competing with fondue, so it was, it was, um, this is an understandable failure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, um, yeah, with. Um, with role-playing happening online, it's also a little bit easier for people to jump in and out of uh, action because you can broadcast and share your role-play experience, which is a little bit harder. Like even with text-based, you, you still have, um, I don't know, some concept of the game that can be watched and experienced live. So even if you're not present at the table, you miss a session, you can kind of come in the next one having watched like a stream of your your digital role playing game, or you read up on the posts of your play by posts, and you're not um, missing out. I think people can come in and out in that way a lot easier, and especially like I think the the audience version, um, where if you took the the kind of Far Verona role play um, method and then just said, okay, well now this really active audience member is going to play an NPC for a little while. Um, and as long as you can guarantee that, like, hey, you're the, you're the merchant, like, what would you do in this case? Like, 
you going to try to scam the the PCs or are you going to be nice to them? And then it's up to the audience member to decide. And I think that those are the kinds of things that you can leverage with this. And as long mm -hmm. as people can follow along and catch up, um, your physical limitations aren't as uh, meaningful. I mean, you can also do things like <clears throat> audience polls and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Where, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're at, a, at, at, a, at an impasse as a GM, and you're just like, yeah. shit, I don't know what to do next. Let me make a little poll real quick and just... Well, looks like the know. party wakes up in the uh, merchant's uh, dungeon. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turns out the rings you bought were all cursed and teleported you into his magical, uh, you know, prison a day later, naked yeah. and without all your stuff, and now you're sad. Yeah, trusting uh, the internet to make decisions is a dangerous um, proposition. <laughs> yeah, you remember the Mountain Dew flavors? Oh. <laughs> yes. Or Bodie McBoatface. Uh, Bodie McBoatface. Or <laughs> so that one's legitimate. Yeah. What the problem is? <laughs> that one's fair. I mean, it's a great name, but you know, it's not exactly what they were hoping for. Yeah. I mean. I don't they leave it up for the internet. They should have known after they sent Taylor Swift to the deaf school. That should that should have been everybody should have gotten the message at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, imagine you know introducing a merchant and you're like, okay, put up the poll. What do you want to name the merchant? And everybody's <laughs> like, fucker McFuckface. Or, yeah. you know, Hitler did nothing wrong or something like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's what would happen. That was the know? Mountain Dew flavor that won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 There's actually a player on one of my playtests that I unfortunately cannot stream that one because of the name they chose. And I'm not even saying it aloud. Because <laughs> we will get in trouble for it. Okay, but you gotta tell me when this is done. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm just going to make sure that the stream's down. Remind me to tell you. I'll punish you with my cheese wand. Zap. Yeah, I'm not going to risk that showing up on the uh, on the actual uh, this stream. Because you do yeah. have Discord as if pulled up. Watching and, besides yeah. us. No, this is, is something watching? that I don't think so. if, if they have any AI scanning not according for, to these uh, certain words, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also, uh, theoretically, uh, if you're doing a YouTube stream, it will save the thing. Mm hmm So, you know. There's some things that we just don't want to deal with. <laughs> I mean, it's it was bad enough that the Roll20 actually had one of uh, the oh, moderators yeah. actually show up and change her name. That's a in be in between sessions, so it's like there's something that's definitely automated uh, pointing this out. Hmm. Interesting. That's hilarious. Like, maybe you should change your name. I don't care, but yeah, if you keep this up, they're gonna delete your account. And I don't yeah. know. I had a friend get a, ban uh, a character banned on City of Heroes once. <laughs> Yeah, I did too. Not. I mean, I had an answer. No, it was my friend. It, it was my friend. It was Mike. Mike had Super Saddam, who was a radiation 
guy, generation <laughs> defender, I think. Anyway, and uh, that 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 <laughs> apparently was not cool. And uh, I I had Lord Abortion. That didn't fly. <laughs> but it was named after a song, so I, I thought it was you know maybe I had some sort of oh there the apple went in the fondue. There's rules for that. <clears throat> yeah. When something falls in, you're supposed to do something. I don't remember what it is. Um. Uh, drink the whole cheese sauce. <laughs> I'd be okay with this rule. <laughs> I would not be okay with Ron drinking all the cheese sauce. Yeah, she'd be very sad. And well, that's because you still want leader. some. You could you could split it in half, and you could both like chug half the cheese sauce. No, no, I would rather the cheese sauce remain whole than be cleft in twain. <laughs> Let cheese sauce, cheese sauce be unbroken. Cleft. Yeah. But still, to get back to the the thing, though, like, um, what actual mechanical differences do you think we should actually take into account for? You're the one with the dish. Stuff? You know, listen, it's been a long day. <laughs> um, uh, wait, what were you saying, Catrice? Which mechanical differences should we actually take into account for this kind of play space that's going to be opening up and for the ones that are like hey, yeah, play by post? So even online, like what would you do differently? I liked your when you were talking about the rules themselves, like practically having a version of your rules that is easily accessible to an online or text um, medium that I guess like even the way you look them up, the way you interact with them, how you can parse them and like clip them on to characters. Like um, I don't know how many times I've had to transcribe what spells do in one system onto my character sheet. Um, and those are the kinds of tools mm -hmm. that I think online mediums can help you just be like, click, 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 click. These are my spells. Like, great. I can look them up when I need them at the table. Um, things like having um, your resources or your equations that can be managed for you. So you trim down the set of things that a player needs to keep in mind. So when you're building your character, when you're doing your attack damage, like these are all things that can be a little bit more automated through those systems. Um, and mm -hmm. then having interactions either with between players between gm and player or player and audience in certain cases that can foster whatever the uh, or build on whatever the system is so like you said but whispers in text chat or uh, audience interaction in a, a digital space um, i think those are things that the medium provides that you don't normally get at your table that can enhance your game experience yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's uh, the one problem with uh, something like w what Mark is talking about um, <clears throat> is uh, like we, for example, we were talking about specific things for Discord, um, which is a, a a cool idea, and I don't want to I don't want to say anybody shouldn't do that, but at the same time, I have a negative reaction to tying like my game system to a specific service mm -hmm. because you know what happens when as we've said about the apps like what happens when discord goes down and you can't play your game anymore or 
you know, what, ha- you know, and, or what happens if, if X, if you, you know, if they change how their function, they change how their things work and right. suddenly it breaks your game. Um, I mean, that's kind of an extreme example. No, it's um, not because you're functionally an app developer at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're using, you're using somebody else's platform to deliver a, a creative product. I mean, but, but that, that makes you an app developer using somebody else's platform, not an indie RPG person, you know, you have to, and then you have the same challenges as an app developer, keeping up with the platform would be one of those things you just have to then manage, you know, it just be part of the part part of the workflow. I definitely would not. But I agree with you. I support for a given thing like roll 20. Sure. But it, that's support for not you need this to use it if you Mm -hmm. need this to use it oh god that would be an absolute nightmare yeah um actually a little joke thing that i saw the other day was like which social media platform should i use and they just gave like a fake one like thing app and then beep uh thing app is so over now Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be on TikTok or not. See, that's the thing. See, I don't know. Yeah. Should I do? Yeah, I don't want to be on TikTok. Like as a as a thing, I just I'm not I'm not. It just looks really. Ugh. I don't think that we should. Um, security. Yeah. If if we're starting to move, or if we if we're picturing role playing games moving into the same realm as video games. Like, I think we have to expect that our stuff won't last forever uh, or that new versions will have to be created. And I don't think that's too onerous because we kind of already already have that. that. Yeah, like people who are developing their games and exist for a long time, they they redo their games because things change. Not because in role-playing games, not because the old ones don't work, but just because they're not current they learn better things too like yeah. as as well, we sometimes. work on a game it's like okay built a game it's like five years later i have five more years of design yeah absolutely. experience now i'm looking at this stuff and it's like i could make this so much better now that i've learned the pitfalls and i've thought of i've just had more time to dwell on these particular issues i can come mm-hmm. up with solutions that I just didn't have time to think about before. I didn't have the skill. So it's like, you're going to keep improving it. Yeah. And yeah, if yeah. it becomes like a company, if it becomes a company like D&D or something, like where they've been working on it for how many generations, and it's like the people that are working on it in this edition, like if they ever do sixth edition or whatever, is probably going to be a different group of people than did fifth, who did fourth, who did third. And it was like each time they're yeah. going to have like a, a large turnover of the people that are working on it. It's like that's also going to bring like major differences, just personal expertise and preferences yeah. as well. Design yeah, but I, stuff like that. I think, I think my. You're you're right. Like, yeah, uh, uh, role playing games do need to be updated, um, or they don't need to be, but they often are and probably should be. Um, but uh, like as you said, you are updating those role playing games because it's been five years and you have a better understanding of role playing games. Mm-hmm. But 
when you're developing within the constraints of, you know, something like Discord or, you know, say you're making a Facebook role-playing game or something. If Discord makes a fundamental change to their service, um, it, you know, and it fucks up one of your mechanics, you will have to change it and not because that is necessarily better, but because the thing that you are operating on has decided that that is what is better for them. Yeah. Mm. I designed my game for Discord, but now Discord isn't a thing and Shrimbang is the new thing. I got to write a new game for Shrimbang now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would suck. But just updating your game on a regular basis. If it's a small game, you can probably get away without doing it. Like once you make it small, self-contained, it works as is. That's probably fine. But once you have like larger games, they're more involved, there's more pieces, there's more things to go wrong. Like, I could see Jonathan's cut to the chase. He may actually have it that it's pretty much finished at this point. Like, what would he do to improve upon it? There's not really a lot of parts to it to break. So that's kind of a good thing in that way, because he can actually make this basically perfect for what it is. But if you start doing something like the sprawling mess of Pathfinder, it kind of needs a second version eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, but also, that's the, the problem. That's part of the problem. I mean, for me, like I've had so many iterations of Ashes that's that are distinct from each other for that exact reason, where I, I, I had a divine vision in mind you know, realized it 80% of the way and went like, oh, I see what I was trying to do. And then, and then start over and then get 80% of the way through and go, oh, I could, this would be way better if this, I, oh, but I have to turn the whole game inside out. Okay, I'm gonna do that. And then I start over and then it's like, you know, and then I get to that point and then I put it in front of players and players go, yeah, it's fine. And it doesn't play the way I, exactly the way I want. And I'm like, maybe the dice are part of the problem actually like having a, you know, heterogeneous dice pool, which they tell you never do, you should probably never do. And uh, then you gotta do the whole thing over again. And then you get, <laughs> and then you get to the end, 80% uh, of the way through that. And then you, you, uh, you realize that you actually wanna do the whole different thing again. And each time it's building on the expertise you had and the knowledge you had, but you're still not putting anything out is the problem, is my problem. Uh, so I've had like four, yeah. you know, there's four versions of this game, none of which have seen the light of day. And, uh, I, you know, I feel like I could have put out probably two of them were like viable. Uh, and I just, I'm like, nah, Didn't. no. Well, that's why I've got like my stuff's being put up as like alpha versions that are actually put up occasionally it's like you can look at this you can see it it's it's still getting fixed unfortunately i'm gonna have to the next patch i'm doing is gonna be redoing like half the fucking combat system again because it's like oh well i found i figured out like a much better and easier way to do armor and then because that changes how weapon damage works and then that also yeah. changes how the two hit and defense ratios work and then that 
oh shit this is gonna be a mess i'm yeah. gonna have to change like almost everything <laughs> and it's all interconnected but it's like it's gonna be so much better but it's <laughs> yeah. yeah i know i felt that same reason i was like oh i actually know how the thread system should work oh shit i have to rewrite everything yeah it was like <laughs> I, when i realized how one chapter was going to come together and i was like oh, Fuck, that means I have to redo the whole book now because like it, it touches every system and every system goes back to it. And it makes the game really like a, 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 I think it's a good core loop at this point. Like I think there's a good core loop there. And but but you have but to have the loop, you have to do each piece of the loop. You can't do like I'm three quarters yep. of the way through the loop. and I'm going to put it out because yeah. <laughs> you just fall off the loop and there's like you have to do the whole thing. And it, yep. when you're trying to do a game that's a narrative that's that that's a self-perpetuating fractal narrative then like yeah every piece has to come together otherwise it doesn't it, it doesn't work or yeah. and, it uh, doesn't just spiral it spirals out of control in a bad way working as intended <laughs> coming to a halt is the problem no i meant more so the, the mechanics spiral oh. in such a way that they don't actually make sense or they fall apart or they just stop or whatever right like if it's not self-perpetuating anymore that's kind of a problem yeah that's so, part of the elegance of the hallowed hills that i mean that was really interesting like having having a motivational structure without any incentives in it yeah and i think that's that's part of why our designs keep changing this way like not only are we getting better at designing RPGs and understanding the structures in them, but other people are putting out these amazing games yeah. that make us question mm -hmm. what is essential, how to design it. Um, so the, the landscape is changing, both in terms of the platforms, but also mm -hmm. what your access to information is like, or what, yeah. what structures you can take from and learn. Right. And it's so rapid now, I and mean, back in the day, it's like, you know, a new edition of D&D would come out and that would be it for yeah. a minute. Uh, and and now you're getting an iteration on an idea, seemingly like every three months. I feel somebody's coming out with a new like, here's Forged in the Dark, but plus X. Here's Powered yeah. by the Apocalypse minus Y. Here's you know, and they're just it's yeah. like, it's it's like it's like Darwinian Galapagos Island of RPGs, <laughs> where it's just like a ton of them that's all mutating and interbreeding with each other, and and you're getting really Which cool and weird results yeah. that are like and some of them are dead ends but like some of them are really like interesting dead ends yeah um no that's like, that's a good thing though because it means yeah, that it's a great thing. the entire yeah. industry is actually changing and moving forwards and that means every time you get one of these breakthroughs everyone in the industry can learn from it and be like oh wait everybody could take advantage of this and make it better and it'll be mm -hmm. better just across the board i think one of the biggest ones we saw recently actually was from D D, or at least D&D was the one that made it popular was the advantage-disadvantage thing. Right. Which a lot of games now take and use, like, mm -hmm. unabashedly, which is fine, because it's like, this is a fairly quick and easy-to-understand mechanic, and it actually does do a lot of the things they wanted it to do. Like, I'm sure they got no, it, it's a really good solution. It elegantly solves a bunch of the issues they had. Yeah. 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 But, but like, that yeah. a lot of games are based on that now because this 
breakthrough happened, so many other games have now improved. And because of that, you see so many other things happen. And the same thing, like, uh, um, Powered by the Apocalypse. Like, the entire system of Powered by the Apocalypse, it changed a lot of things. There's a lot of games now, mm-hmm. especially like Avars, for example, based on the Apocalypse. Right. And it's so much more than it used to be. And every time you have one of these really big breakthroughs, it changes like a ton of other games and it makes all of those games better than they would have been. And then those other people, they're like, okay, I like this concept, but I actually can think about doing it a little bit better myself. Exactly. Not the whole thing, but there's like a part of it that I can do better. Right. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how that progression happens with new platforms like the online how that develops and uh, changes over time because i think we're just going to get more and more interesting cool ideas and um having I think it'll be easier to share them online that's yeah. so, is the biggest thing i think we should mention this um there is a kickstarter called multiverse which is a platform a video game-esque platform for role-playing games um and it's i don't know if it's going to fund or not it's at ninety thousand of or no what is it at uh sixty two thousand of of two hundred fifty thousand. um that's ambitious but it it's trying to do like not vr but but you can see it as a step between like roll 20 and like the vr roll 20 uh so you would have like video game type control over your character, but you would still have like a, a GM who would create mm-hmm. a campaign for you in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's trying to do a bunch of things that we mentioned. It's it's bringing this stuff online and digital, um, but it's still it's mm-hmm. it's still largely taking a game and making a game that exists and making it playable making the experience different as opposed to uh designing a game specifically for digital play uh but it's still neat there's a lot of things on it that it sort of talks about that we've we've sort of covered in one way and another um and it makes me like i read through and i'm like oh yeah, yeah that's cool and then I'm like read through some more i'm like oh that's gross i i never want to use this thing (laughs) and so so there's like um really yeah there's a i don't know i think it's interesting i don't think it's for me but i think it could be for a lot of people Hmm. potentially yeah it's cute actually yeah kind of interesting yeah it's uh i feel like they're purposefully appealing to a very particular demographic that's growing and I feel that's untapped um, in RPGs. And I think it's starting to be tapped. I think it's starting to get there. Um, but it's the cozy, the cozy mm. RPG, you know? Uh, mm. <clears throat> and I think this, this art style, like what I'm seeing, like the pixel art is pretty cool. The, let me see, like the, the way the setting looks, it feels like, a... It's really inconsistent, though. I'm noticing. That's 
actually kind of bothering me. It's like, I'm not sure what graphics art style they're actually going to have because it keeps changing every other screen. Mm, but I, I think, and if you read a little more down into the details there, I think that um, like they talk about the verse, the world, the campaign, mm -hmm. the regions, the levels, the ki the kinds. So like the verses dictates mechanics and the setting, world, your your lore and scope of play, campaign, your story, region, in-game travel options, and then levels, what players are actually interacting with and viewing, and then kinds, the type of characters you play. And so like they they are also creating a um they want to create like uh, similar to Roll20, a marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to picture like this coming. I'm not I'm not sure what it's going to be, but like we'll say like pre-installed with uh, 5e or something like that, right? But then you could like go to the marketplace and like have um, a different game might be one that exists or it could be one that someone wrote specifically for this space. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually. The, I like the idea of, of creating platforms. I mean, because that's really what RPGs are. You are creating a scaffold for other people to mess around in your sandbox. And I feel like this kind of stuff is, is an extension of that intent into a digital space. Yeah, um, yeah it does really run into the potential problems that we mentioned before. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're just an app developer for a platform. Right. It's kind of weird when you're like, a platform for a platform mm -hmm. because that's basically <laughs> what this is yeah yeah they do have but they I mean, do have uh, inter audience interaction we do have this already though this is mm -hmm. like when you think about it you can build video games in that way like a video game then you put it on steam which is a platform you put steam on windows or whatever which is another platform and it's like okay we've basically got three platforms in a row here and then it's like yeah the game that you created is just okay this is less a game this is more a toolkit and players use the level editor to make their own things in which case you've got like a platform on a platform on a platform and it's like that's getting kind of silly but it still works so maybe it'll work with the tabletop as well i don't know yeah they've got a good team too really solid yeah <clears throat> yeah it's cool project. i don't know if it'll fun I, it's hard to say how the trend will go on it it depends they're definitely close i think yeah i feel like they're, uh... prob they're probably going to make it where how many oh yeah <laughs> Ooh. Probably. Maybe. Quarter. How <laughs> long has it gone? I mean, going? 28 days. I think it's two days. It's like, been on it's three days. Three days. Three or okay. four days. Oh. Yeah, they've got That's a good, good starting amount. Like, once you have like $62,000 already, there's a good chance it'll snowball. Yeah, there's a percentage past which I. I think if you're over 15 per 20 percent on your first day it's likely to happen <clears throat> i think that's what i remember reading something like that but because they, they have it looks like the uh the comment section is somewhat active so that's good 
Yeah, I kind of hope it funds, but I'm not yeah. going to give them my money. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's for me either, but it's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody's doing it. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. I really like that about Kickstarter, man, because I can I can look at something and go, oh, I'm not interested in that at all, but like that's really cool that it exists for the people who want it. Yeah, like there's a lot of really cool. Uh, there's tons of stuff on. I mean, I'm so glad Kickstarter exists just mm -hmm. because there's been so many. <laughs> games and projects that i've backed that would not see the light of day otherwise yeah, yeah. you know but yeah it ha it is a double-edged sword though because it has gone both ways like there are definitely some great things that have come out of it that would not have existed otherwise but there's also a lot of people that have created things that should have existed and would have gone fine and it gets backed and then they don't know how to manage their money. There's been right. more than a few major flops where it was like, this was amazing, it should have done well, and we had like a bunch of developers that were all famous developers and they're they're great at what they're doing for building the game, but none of them is actually a producer to control the money flow, and they ruined it. <laughs> anyway. Before we wrap up, does anyone have anything to say about yeah. designing into the future? Designing on for digital and text? Learn Unity. <laughs> there you go. It's not enough to know how to write anymore. You have to know basic programming. I think it probably... shouldn't even say digital design. It should be more for online design. I think okay. that's a little more clear. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it even has to be online design yet, but if you want to take advantage of that new fork that's probably going to exist, yeah, you probably should have some basic programming skills. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm noticing that I think I'm going to have to do that. Just, <clears throat> I'm not sure that there's any other way to, be, to, to live as a game designer like actually make money doing it unless you have some programming ability e even if you that's not what you end up doing i feel like the people who have that ability to talk to engineers and um and talk to digital developers in their language are are going to be valuable so that that's always important that was one of the first things like anybody asked me about like video game design it's like learning programming it's like you don't need to actually know how to program in a particular language you just need to understand the basics of it so you can see how it's put together and so you can tell the people who do put it together how to actually put it together it's like i need this done here's how i can describe it to you in a mean in a way that you actually understand yeah yeah because i mean it's, it's hard to talk to people when you have when your language is so limited in, in terms of what you want to express to them and you're like hey make the thing do the thing i want and they're like okay what you just said could be achieved in like 15 different ways and i'm not sure which <laughs> which one of those you want so be more specific or they'll go off and go okay and do one of those 15 things and it's not the thing you had in mind at all so it's i think it's useful yeah. you know even if you're designing for online space i think that it it's it's useful to learn how to the, the basics. Yes. Yeah. Even yeah. 
like I actually found that programming is good just for understanding tabletop design as well because it is basically a fairly simple form of logic to follow like mm -hmm. x happens like it triggers y event and from y event then you have like z effect like mm. this is fairly basic setup for programming but it's something that actually makes sense for just as a basic structural format it actually makes it really easy to think of like how things work in a game and actually like even if it's just completely tabletop text-based game it still makes a lot of sense to think about it in that manner mm -hmm. yeah you should be able to flowchart your game hmm. you know you should be able you should be you should Oh, hello? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's Rob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That um, was a new problem. Sec. Um. Too much streaming. Yeah, he just tanked his internet, or maybe I don't. Know. No, it's still showing his thing. We're still seeing the uh, visual, but audio. I mean, it wouldn't be like our first streamed episode without some technical difficulties. Exactly. Rob, say your thing again. <laughs> okay, yo. So I guess I think, we're, is... I think this is where we call the episode. I agree. I mean, <laughs> we're basically okay, we were doing rapping. final thoughts. Yeah. Anyway, so it's all good. Uh, Happened yeah, we could listen back to the uh, to the stream later and figure out what Rob was saying. How about now? I can uh, hear so you now. We hear you again. All right, what was I saying? I can't remember. I have no <laughs> idea. God damn it! It's okay. I think we're just wrapping up, Rob. Yeah, we were. I, I, yeah. I had. I feel like there was. I was in the middle of something. Anyway, yeah, we're still fine. All right, everybody. First, first streamed episode. Ooh, we streamed. Yay. All right. Dreamed all over you guys. Now you can suffer in real time. If that's <laughs> yeah, suffer into. in real time. And also, good night, because it is night where you are. Everybody say good night. Always, yeah. it's always yeah. night. Good, good night. night. I think we did. I think we forgot. I think this is the one episode where we didn't introduce each other ourselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only yeah, one I got introduced was me. Start in the middle. Fred's here. And then oh, all the rest shit. of us are the same person. <laughs> We're all it's friends. It's totally now. true. It's all part of the hive mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. Nope. Oh, well. Things happen. Super classy. Hey, we got Fred. And then let's argue about what our topic is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got Fred. What's our Technical topic? difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's fine because uh, basically this is also the episode where they can see, or they can see us light up. In theory, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they're watching oh, the video version. That's Although... true. Okay, I'm gonna call it. Hey, yeah. All right, stop later, nerds. Stop lit nerds. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think listens to this?
<laughs> geeks, sir. Geeks. Geeks. Okay, later. Yes. Geeks. I, I geeks. You Dorks? have to look at the. There is a Venn diagram for this. Oh my God! Give me a second. Uh, dorks, geeks, nerds. Uh, who else? Gorks. Gorks. Yes. Freaks. 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 Here. Here. I'm going to put this in. You'll be able to put this up. Everybody who's watching the stream will now be able to understand this. There you go. Oh, See? I thought you were going to put up the uh, XKCD. No, no. Mm. Not in this case. See, oh, have I stopped being a nerd now that I'm not socially inept? Pretty Shit. much. Turn into a geek. That's how this works. Do you think you're not socially inept? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Less socially inept. Less obviously. Socially it's, a, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. <laughs> my, my social ineptitude. How dare you? <laughs> Listen, I've been dealing with it longer than most. <laughs> nice. We're celebrating uh, our 15th anniversary, five years uh, married. What? Next Friday. Next Friday. Really? Wow, that's Dude. exciting. Nice. So, I guess, so I guess we're not streaming that's next sweet. week. Yeah. Got it. Well, I mean, probably, but like. We're all going to be here. Let's be realistic. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Aww. Yeah, learning, but also, oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I coughed. Uh... Lauren and I are actually in a similar boat to you. We're 17 years and six years married. Wow. In, uh, April 4th. Hmm. I proposed yeah. to Rob during a game oh, of Cards wow. Against Humanity. <laughs> it's true. Oh, as I recall, you didn't even win that round either, did you? No, my dad did. Because he had, he had, he had, uh, that was bullshit. Picking, uh, <laughs> let's see, out a windmill full of corpses in picking up girls at the abortion clinic. That was the winning hand. Or in, was it, I don't know. It was one of those. That was pretty good. And her proposal was second place. So apparently, things that sound like cannibal corpse songs are more important to Rob than our marriage. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and no one was surprised. Does it? <laughs> Wasn't that in your wedding well, bill? No. On the plus, yeah. at, least, at least you were warned in advance. You knew this was exactly. Coming. She knew what she was yeah. doing. I tell her this probably daily. Like, yeah. Actually, she tells me this. Like, I signed up for this. Don't worry about it. You also signed up with this. I have a LARPing tattoo. It's true. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Yeah. Adorable. The dorks find each other. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, right. we, we, we're going to call this an episode we're at some totally point. Done. We're, mm -hmm. totally done. we're totally we're. done. It's okay. We can go. I'm All right. Uh, how do I stop streaming? Stop. Um. Uh, there it goes. Craig, fuck off.